to More Living with Jim Brogan, your source of information for living the best years of your life, your way. For more than a decade, host Jim Brogan and his expert guests have come together each week to share important news and advice that can impact the lives and well-being of those who are retired and those nearing retirement. Learn about issues like health and fitness, financial planning, social security benefits, investment advice, and more. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Good morning, East Tennessee. Welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI and... You know, with this pandemic, I have to, and you've heard me reference this a couple of times on the show, but, you know, and and several people that I've talked to, I've developed a new hobby, and I know some of you have too, many of you that I talk to out and about in the community, because, you know, we're home a lot more, we're not, you know, I'm not traveling as much, I'm home in the evenings, not eating out as much, we certainly try to do some pickup stuff and keep our local restaurants Certainly our favorites, you know, try to support those businesses. But, you know, I've been home a lot more, and I've kind of picked up a new hobby. It hasn't been good for my waistline, but I have really become uh, quite fascinated with grilling and barbecuing. Now, I have always uh, enjoyed grilling particularly, and I've always but just kind of standard fare. Uh, I do chickens that I learned from my dad, kind of a North Carolina-style barbecue chicken, uh, burgers and steaks, but I've never really slow cooked and never smoked. And and last uh, last year, I decided to get a smoker. But then this year, I really got into grilling and, and barbecuing and slow cooking and smoking. And I like to do all everything from brisket to steaks to pork belly to even smoked chicken enchiladas that I learned from actually the guests that we're going to have today. Really, my go-to resource of who I've learned the most amount of stuff from is Malcolm Reed. You know, you may know Malcolm Reed. He's one of the most respected men in barbecue. He has many videos that make him really, he's a YouTube star. He has over a million followers on YouTube. And what I love about Malcolm's videos, of course, I love that he's so down to earth, but what I really love about his videos is they're so clear and easy to follow. It hasn't been difficult to learn how to really up my game and become a good griller and a good barbecuer. So we've got him online with us. He's he's joining us from the Memphis area, and he he was kind of like you and me. He loved grilling and cooking, and in 2002 decided to turn it into a full-fledged book business. So I'm excited to welcome Malcolm to the show. Good morning, Malcolm. Welcome to More Living. Good morning, Jim. Thanks for inviting me on, man. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited, too. Um, You know, first, give us a little bit about your background, Malcolm. So I know in 2002 you decided to kind of turn your passion into a business, but did you grow up doing this stuff, or or at what age did you start getting into it, and what made you you decide to make this a career? Well, coming from the Memphis area, you know, Memphis and May is, is the Super Bowl of barbecue, especially pork barbecue sure. here in Tennessee. And, I, I, you know, we grew up going to barbecue contests. And as me and my brother got, you know, old enough to actually learn how to do some of the cooking ourselves, we we just got into it. It was a bunch of buddies at first, and we would go to a little contest and have a big time. It was kind of like a tailgate atmosphere, except for cooking barbecue. And, 
and it just, you know, it led to, uh, started out as something fun and then a habit. Now I, I say it's my addiction. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to get to do it for a living, but, uh, yeah, I, I probably, some people say I got a barbecue problem. <laughs> well, well, I'm kind of developing a barbecue problem. I'm not going to lie. And it's been bad for my waistline. I put on about 10 pounds this summer. I've got to start getting it under control. But, um, man, I mean, it's kind of funny. My brother, my oldest brother moved to Texas at a, uh, right out of college. And so being in Texas, he lives in Abilene. So he's big on brisket, of course, which is so big in Texas. And I'm going to ask you some questions about brisket a little bit later in the show. But, um, you know, he he kind of would talk about doing these all-day cooks. And I was like, man, I just don't think I'd ever want to do that. But now that I've started getting into it, I, I mean, it's just so much fun. There's, it's, just, it's just a blast. Well, you know, there's, there's something about uh, being outside and tending to a fire all day long and just relaxing, you know, you may have something cold to drink. And, and the great part about it is, is it's, it's delicious when you get through and people, you know, people just go crazy over what you're serving them. Yeah. And I love doing that. I, we love, you know, we love hosting people, you know, we love hospitality and having people into our home and we just love to cook for people and, and share that. I mean, it's just, it's great camaraderie. And, you know, with the pandemic, it's a great opportunity to get together with friends in a setting where we know we're pretty safe. Now, is it true, Malcolm, that you have over 40 different grills and smokers in your backyard? Well, they're, they're not all in the backyard. They're scattered out. But yeah. <laughs> you have 40 grills and smokers. Do you, do you have a – I know you get asked this. You're probably not going to want to answer it. Do you have a favorite? I don't have a favorite. They're like your kids, you know. You can't you can't just pick a favorite one. But but I have some that I cooked on. You know, those are the ones that are kind of out back, right here, right here in the backyard. That I, I tend to cook on a little more. But but I don't have just one one particular one that, that that's the all time favorite. I like them all. Do you have a particular style of smoker grill or grill that you particularly like? Uh, to just kind of, I mean, I notice on on your YouTube videos, you tip, you you use your barrel smoker a lot, which I've never used a barrel smoker. Um, but you, I mean, you use a lot of different grills. But do you have a go to that you really love smoking with that style of a smoker. Well, I, the barrel grill is probably the one that, if you ask me, it's it's the one that gives you the most authentic flavor. And authentic barbecue flavor to me, coming from the West Tennessee area, it's, it's kind of based on uh, that open pit. Like it, it kind of started in North Carolina, and they still do it there today, where they they cook the whole hog over, you know, on an old brick pit, and they shovel the coals under it, and the meat drips down as it cooks on those coals, and it, there's just something about you know the fat and all the drippings hitting the hitting the hot coals, and the way it makes the meat taste. That's the style you get from a drum, and it's hard to duplicate that. There's a lot of great barbecue pits out there, but, you know, in a in an easy environment to duplicate that, it's real hard, but the drum does an excellent job of it. With the drum, is the meat high enough up off of those coals to give you more of an indirect, slow cook, slower cook? It really is, because what, what happens, the way you do your intake uh, for your your intake vents and your exhaust vents, it really, you know, slows down the airflow, but puts just enough oxygen in there for those coals uh, to stay right at perfect barbecue cooking temperatures. And so, you know, you've got about 24 inches before your uh, your food sits on the grate over the coals. And so that's what makes it an indirect uh, 
slower cooking process. And that's where you have, you need that distance to really get those temperatures right to produce barbecue. Well, I think my wife's going to kill me because now I'm going to have to go out and get a barrel smoker because I see you using that thing all the time. I think, man, I got to, but I see what you mean about the open, dripping down on the open flame because, you know, most indirect smokers, your, your, your drippings aren't going down onto the flame, right? You're in an offset or you're in a cabinet. You know, I have a pellet smoker that I absolutely love, which is kind of how I started dipping my toes into this because they're so easy. And the one I have puts out a good bit of smoke. I know the criticism is they don't put out a ton of smoke, but my wife and I don't love a huge smoky taste. But I guess that's what's unique about that barrel smoker. What I'm hearing is the way it drips down on the hot coals. So you get that open flame, that open pit flavor. That's exactly right. It's just something you can't, you you won't get that in a pellet cooker, but what people, uh, I guess you get these barbecue purists that think you have to be burning wood to create barbecue. That's just not true. Uh, pellet grills are excellent, and I've I recommend them all the time for people, especially starting out, because they're so easy to operate. My wife loves they them. are, but it's like cooking in your yeah, oven. Yeah, and I can outside. cook. Yeah, and I can cook anything in there. Mine produces a pretty good amount of smoke. I think it's one of the higher smoke producing ones. And you know, you can get smoker tubes and do different things to add more smoke. But I got to give you props because I tried your smoked enchilada recipe and did it all outside on my smoker. And it was just unbelievable, which actually, you know, I'm going to get into different cuts of meat and, and how you pick things out and how you, you'd like to cook them. And you can give us some great tips as we get kind of towards the end of the summer season here. But you pretty much cook a lot of your, you, you'll cook your whole meal outside oftentimes on your different grills and smokers, correct? I mean, you'll do your side dishes. You'll do everything. Yeah, and, and you really can. If you, you think of your barbecue pit or smoker as a, as an extension of your kitchen, really. And you can cook just anything that you can cook on an oven, you can cook in a barbecue pit. It's just all about learning how to control that fire, how to control that temperature. And that, and that's really just airflow. So it can all be done. And, I, and I, I enjoy being outside. That's a big part of it. And my wife likes I'm not messing her kitchen up. <laughs> so it really works well, out. Well, yeah, that's great. it. Because then you're outside. You're, you basically have an outdoor kitchen, and you can do everything out there. And especially if you've got a good setting. I mean, it's just, you know, it's it's out and outdoors. I agree with you completely. Hey, I had one uh, listener, Malcolm, that wanted me to ask you and send us a question. What is a good uh, budget grill? Like if somebody is going to get their first grill, like a younger person, they're, 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 they're ready to get their first grill or smoker, but they're kind of on a tight budget. Do you have a recommendation on a style or a brand or something for somebody to start out with? Well, Going back to the drum cooker, you can, I've actually, that was one of the earlier uh, videos or newsletters I've done was how to build your own drum cooker. Uh, You can find these drums for, I know there's, you know, we have a a drum company in Memphis that sells a refurbished drum for like $15, but you can take any old drum as long as you know what was in it or, or you can burn it out, spend some, uh, you know, some elbow grease time in it instead of, instead of money and clean it up yourself. You know, you can sand it down burn it out and turn it into a pit and you can buy everything you need at your local hardware store to go in and it's not difficult. I'm not, I'm not mechanically inclined at all. And I, and I can build, I can build these things in my sleep. There's nothing to them. But another one, if you're just looking for one to start out on that you want to go buy, not break the bank, a Weber kettle, probably the number one grill sold in the, in the world. 
Um, and you can you can grill on it. You can set it up for indirect cooking and smoking. They make all kinds of different attachments. You can get rotisseries, pizza ovens. The sky's the limit on a Weber kettle, and you can get in one for you know around 130 bucks. I think the base price. Yeah, you know, that's funny that you said that because when I asked you that question, if you didn't mention, I was going to ask you about the Weber Kettle Grill because it's so versatile because you can do the direct and indirect and you can get all the different airflows. I guess you can throw wood on it when you want to for flavor. So that's interesting. We had a, uh, that was one of the first grills I owned was a 22-inch Weber Kettle and that thing just cooked awesome. Um, Tell you what, uh, Malcolm, it's great having you on. We're visiting with Malcolm Reed here this morning, really the barbecue king, and we're talking about barbecue and it's really become a hobby for me and i know many of you listening love to to barbecue and grill when we come back i want to talk about different kinds of meats and you know his preferred method of cooking different things of course he knows all the different styles and methods in the book we're also getting going to get into the tools you need to really be just simple tools you can have for your grill to really up your game so stay tuned as we visit with malcolm reed right here on more living with jim brogan on news talk 98.7 woki listening to more living with jim brogan during the week jim is a financial advisor an author and speaker with an mba from the university of tennessee who specializes in helping people in or near retirement plan for the next phase of their lives you can reach brogan financial during the week at 865-862-6800 or on the web at broganfinancial.com and now Here's Senior Market Advisor Magazine's 2011 National Advisor of the Year and host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm your host, Jim Brogan. And, you know, I know uh, I've really gotten into cooking and and grilling and smoking uh, as a new hobby. And early in in March and into April, as I was home a lot more, Malcolm Reed became my go-to for really learning how to expand my repertoire. I've never really done a lot of traditional barbecue of cooking on a smoker. And I've just learned so much from the guy. And I've watched so many of his YouTube videos. He's kind of the king of barbecue. And he's a, he's a YouTube sensation. He has over a million followers. And I'd urge you, check him out online. Uh, his, his website, How to Barbecue Right, is the name of his company, howtobarbecuewrite.com. You can also check his YouTube videos out by either putting in Malcolm Reed or How to Barbecue Right. Malcolm, uh, let's talk about different cuts of meat. Let's talk about beef first. Um, talk to us a little bit about the importance of the grade of meat and when you think it's important. Like, when is it worth paying extra to get prime or, you know, a higher grade of beef? Um, you know, based on the different types of cuts that we're cooking? Well, you know, normally I'm always buying choice. A lot of times they'll call it high choice at the supermarket. But um, I think if if, if you find a, a supermarket that carries beef where they actually still have a butcher counter, and I know not a lot of them do. You're not going to go to Walmart and find a butcher counter anymore. But uh, we have Kroger's in our area, and they still have a pretty good butcher counter. And I can pick through the meat there. I can kind of see the marbling in it. And what I'm looking for is the veins, uh, the veins of marbling, which is fat inside the meat, not on the outside. 
that's fat that needs to be trimmed away because it's not going to render. But the fat that's marbled intermuscularly, and it'll, it'll look like ribbons in the meat, that's what you want to cook. Whether you're put, picking out a steak or a chuck roast or brisket or anything, it's all about the marbling. Um, you can, you know, if you take your time and, and, and look at it in the grocery store or at your butcher shop, let them know what you're looking for, you can, you can spend them, you can save some money by buying choice, and you don't have to worry about the prime. Now, there's times where I'll, you know, want to spend some extra money, or if I'm, you know, got something special I'm cooking for, I'm, I may buy, buy some prime, or you're seeing more of the Wagyu now in places, but a lot of that stuff, you know, you're basically paying for marbling, and marbling is just their, their, the cows are fed a little bit better, they got a little bit better diet, and they're graded out a little higher, but, um, you know, I'm perfectly fine cooking choice. You know, I have found, tell me if this is right, Malcolm, I have found that the leaner the cut, you know, like when I'm doing a, a ribeye, it doesn't seem like the, the, the price differential, if I'm picking out, as you mentioned, at a butcher counter, we've got several options here in Knoxville. We've got the, a couple, you know, Kroger Publix has those, but we've got a couple of really good local options too. But I found if you're getting them from places like that, you pick them out, I don't know that I see a huge difference to just, this is just my thought process on what I've learned. But if I'm getting a leaner cut of meat, that extra marbling sometimes really can pay off in spades. Does that make sense? Do you agree with that? Oh, it sure does. And that's why, you know, a lot of times I'll cook sirloin or I like flat iron steak. But if I can see the meat and see the marbling in it, I can pick out a good one that's just as good as a piece of prime. Um, you know, often I'll, you know, I, I like to, the club stores, so the you know the Costco's and the Sam's Club, they they tend to have pretty good meat in those, and they may carry some prime, but most of their stuff is just a high choice, and it's pretty good if you take the time and you know look through each package and kind of pick out the, the ones with the marbling. I've seen I've seen prime labeled in a counter, you know it'll be up around twenty bucks a pound that doesn't have near as much marbling as some of the choice uh, you know that's there too, so. It's all about knowing what to look for and, you know, picking out a good cut. Now, let's talk about steaks. You know, steaks is the one thing, Malcolm, about 15 years ago, I really figured out how to cook a really good steak. And what I've always done is I sear it uh, direct. A lot of times I'll do it in a cast iron skillet on my stove. And then I'll put it on the grill on indirect and let it come up to temperature that way. And uh, especially fillets. But... um, you know, so the, the sear and then, and then putting it on indirect. And then, of course, the reverse sear, which is doing it in the opposite order, has really become popular of late. And I've seen you do both on your, on your videos. I've seen you do both of those. I haven't seen many where you do the whole cook on the direct heat. What is your preferred method for cooking a great steak? Or is it different for a filet versus a ribeye? Well, my rule of thumb is, you know, not, not really worried about the cut. It's more of the thickness of the cut. So if I'm cooking uh, anything that's below um, an inch and a quarter thick, that's really just meant for searing. So if you're, you know, you're talking your thin cuts. Uh, sure. You know, you know, it could be a thin ribeye. It could be a sirloin. It could be a flat iron. Anything that, that's, you know, less than an inch and a quarter thick, it, it's, it's harder to kind of slow those down. Um, now, big thick steaks, I love to do a reverse sear or like, like, like you recommended, sear it first and then move it over. A lot of times you'll see me set up what I call a two-zone fire. That's where I've got a really hot side and then a cool side. And what that does, it lets you have a safe zone to where you can watch those temperatures come up slow. 
Uh, and that's what cooking a perfect steak is all about. Uh, if you've got a nice thick steak and you want to sear it first to get your grill marks to really lock in those flavors and then move it over to a cooler zone on your grill, you can put a meat thermometer in it and watch it, and then you're guaranteeing you're going you're gonna to nail that finished temperature wherever you like to eat it. And that's really, it, it's about learning your grill, learning how to set up that fire, and then watching those temps. When you've done that, you've mastered cooking steak, and it's not that difficult. No, it's not, and that was one of the things I found years ago is is I could get a two-inch thick or a one-and-a-half-inch thick filet and have it be perfectly cooked all the way through, and people be like, oh, my gosh, this is so incredible, but it's because of the ability to measure that. One thing I've noticed is I've watched your videos and some of the other videos I've watched, Malcolm, is you all are always checking the temperature of your meat, and it seems like I've always heard, oh, a great chef can tell just by poking the beef. But in reality, you're always checking that temperature of all the meats you cook, right? I do because I, you know, that's to me that's what cooking's about. It's about cooking, cooking whatever whatever kind of protein you're cooking to a certain temperature. And you see these meat charts and guides for all the different cuts and all the different types of protein, uh, protein, not propane. <laughs> but uh, yeah. it, it's all about cook, cooking to that to the proper temperature. And um, to me, um, you know, as, as important as the grill or the pit is to me, a, me, a good meat thermometer is the second most important tool I have. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about tools. So really outside of the grill the, and, and the uh, thermometer and having one that, that can tell you that temperature pretty quick. That's exactly right. I use, I use two types. Um, I like a wired probe thermometer that I can stick in the meat where I'm not having to uh, open the grill up and lose temperature all the time. It lets me watch the internal temperature as the meat's cooking. And then I have a handheld. Uh, it, there's all kinds of different handheld instant thermometers that you just probe. Uh, you can probe right in the meat to verify that, you're, that your wired thermometer is reading correctly. So it's like a double fail-safe system. So you know what the temp is. You're verified what the temp is. And you're not going to overcook or undercook anything. It, I mean, food safety is a big part of cooking, you don't want to get anybody sick, and then you don't want to ruin a piece of meat. Because let's face it, uh, this meat that we're buying at the stores is expensive nowadays, and so the last thing you want to do is overcook it, dry it out to where it's not good. Yeah, that's right. Is there a favorite on the on the beef cuts? Is there a, an under the radar beef cut that you particularly have an affinity for that that a lot of people probably you know, haven't cooked much of or any of it, they wouldn't think to go buy that at the store and bring it home and cook it. Well, the first one that comes to mind is a flat iron steak. A lot of times you'll see these in the grocery stores, and they'll have them on sale for seven, eight bucks. Um, they're usually about a pound, pound and a half. And, man, me, it, they're, they're excellent. You can cook them as a standalone steak. You can use them for fajitas or tacos. Me and my wife like them to cut them up and put them on a salad. Um, it's just a, it's a cut that not a lot that people think is a lesser cut, but when it's cooked right, and right to me is there's no more than medium rare, it, it just melts in your mouth. It's a lean cut. It doesn't have a, you know, a ton of fat. It is marbled uh, if you pick the good one out, but it's, you know, it's really easy to cook. They cook in about eight to ten minutes flat, on a, you know, and it's, man, you can do so much with it. Well, I'm going to have to say, I, I did your flat iron steak. I saw you promote, I saw it on one of your YouTube videos, and I thought, I got to do that. And I got it, and I marinated it just like you said to marinate it. And I cooked that sucker, and it was really, I could not believe how tender it was. 
it was really, really good. And I'm going to mention another steak that I've discovered here in the last couple of months that I've done a couple of times, and all I put on it is kosher salt, and it's so good, is that picanha, you know, the, the, the sirloin cap. I just can't believe how much flavor those things have. So what do you think of that steak? I mean, it's, I guess that's mainly what they serve in the Brazilian steakhouses. Oh, I love picanha. It, you know, it's a little tricky to find. You don't see it in most grocery stores. It's usually a specialty item. But if ever there's a time that I find it, I buy it. Because hands down, uh, you know, since it is the cap, it usually has about uh, a quarter of an inch or a little more fat on the outside of it. And the fat that surrounds the sirloin in that area is an excellent uh, rendering fat. It lends so much flavor as it cooks to the meat. You don't need anything else on it other than salt. And, you know, you get a good hot fire and you get that picanha, you know, you bring it up slow, kind of a reverse sear, and then you sear it right at the end and really get that fat and get melted and crispy. And the flavor of it is just, you would never believe that that's sirloin. It's just delicious. Well, it's kind of funny how I lucked into that. I was going to a local butcher, uh, just a local guy here that has really good meats, and I was getting uh, some some uh, Boston butts, and uh, I was like, man, you got anything else I ought to think about? And they pulled this picanha out, and I didn't really know anything about it. turned out it was a prime cut, and he sold it to me, and I, and I got it home, and I was like, well, what have I bought here? And I looked it up, and I started researching it. And I did it exactly like you said. I brought it up slow, and then I moved it over and seared it at the end. And I just could not believe the flavor that that thing had. Tell you what, um, we're going to get to our next break. When we come back, I'm going to get into the different types of tools that can really help you. Um, I've discovered a few tools, but I want to hear what Malcolm says. And, and many of the tools I've discovered are from watching Malcolm's videos uh, to, to help give you some tips on how you can kind of raise your game. We're also going to have... Uh, our dollars and cents segment, and why 2020 is a great year to give charitably. So stay tuned as you listen to More Living with Tim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. radio show, television news appearances, and adult education classes taught at the University of Tennessee and Pellissippi State Community College. Jim taps into his extensive knowledge and experience to address issues important to living your best retirement. Join Jim every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. here on Newstalk 98.7 WOKI and visit him online at broganfinancial.com. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. I know many of you love to cook and grill and smoke and, and pre prepare some delicious food. And we've got Labor Day weekend coming up next weekend. It'll be a time I know I'll be doing a lot of lot of outdoor barbecuing. Uh, we're visiting with uh, really the, the barbecue guru. He's a YouTube sensation. Uh, hero, uh, Malcolm Reed, his company, How to Barbecue Right. Many people around, many, many people, over a million YouTube followers, people all around the country follow him. Uh, to get great tips on how to really become a master barbecuer. So we're visiting with Malcolm. Before we get back to Malcolm, however, it is time for dollars and cents. 
Want to be sure you are getting the most out of your retirement? For all the years of your retirement? That's the primary goal of More Living with Jim Brogan in our Dollars and Cents segment, where we provide you with an important financial tip that will help positively impact the quality of your life in retirement. And now, here's Jim with this week's Dollars and Cents tip. 2020 is a great year to give charitably. Now, I know many of you are, are, have been hurting by the pandemic, uh, so please don't misunderstand me here. Uh, one of the things I did talk about back in the spring is that, that you know, when we're going through hardships, it is a great time to give because there are others around us that are, that are less fortunate than us. And if you have the ability, even a little bit, $20, $100, whatever you can do, um, but every little bit helps. Also, you can give of your time, which is a big thing, because there are people all around us that are not as fortunate as many of you are listening today. Um, but there are also some great financial planning reasons to give in 2020. Uh, if you've been blessed and you do a good bit of charitable giving or you're thinking about doing charitable giving, there are some real opportunities here. So, you know, while extraordinary, first off, there are so many needs in 2020 because of everything that's going on in the world. And while extraordinary needs will persist into 2021, the tax benefits of charitable giving may change after the presidential election as the current administration and really the previous five presidential administrations have overseen significant changes to the tax code. So we may see additional changes in the tax code. So there are many ways you can be creative and get a lot of bang for your buck. One is you can give appreciated assets. You know, the, the S&P 500 is back to new highs. And over the last seven or eight years, market has doubled. So you, I mean, you may have stocks or highly appreciated mutual funds or ETFs, or you might have a piece of property. And when you give a highly appreciated asset, you get a double whammy. You do not have to pay the capital gains tax and you get the charitable contribution that you can take on your tax return. Uh, you can also consider consider bunching contributions. You know, with, with the increase in, in the, the itemized deduction, or excuse me, the standard deduction, few, you know, 90% of Americans now uh, are not itemizing. But, you know, if you're doing some pretty significant charitable giving, you know, if you plan how you pay your property tax, and then also bunch your charitable contributions, and you do more in one year to kind of prepay some of those, you might be able to realize and itemize your deduction this year, where then next year you can take the standard deduction and you can kind of go back and forth that way just with smart financial planning. And then a real opportunity is out of your retirement assets. You know, your IRAs and 401ks and 403bs and other company plans You've not paid any of the income tax on most, if not all, of that money. And you've got to start taking that money out when you're 72 and pay income tax on it. Well, if you're, if you're in the year you turn 70 and a half or older, you can give money directly to church or charity out of the retirement account, and it is not a taxable distribution. Um, and then you still get the full – so you get a page one deduction. It shows up, but then you get to deduct it on – above an above the line deduction on your adjusted gross income 
then you still get your standard deduction on page two. You could also use charitable contributions to offset the impact of Roth IRA conversions. I know many of you have talked to me about concerns of where income taxes may be going in the future because of all the money we're spending right now to get through this pandemic. And many of you are asking me about Roth IRA conversion, especially if you're in that sweet spot between retirement age and age 72, where you can keep your income taxes really low by drawing income from sources that aren't taxable in retirement. Well, Roth conversions, of course, add to your taxable income as ordinary income, but you can help offset some of that with your charitable contributions. So, you know, even if it's just being smart about the charitable planning that you're already doing, uh, it, you, you know, there's a lot we can do in 2020. If you're not doing much charitable giving, it's a great way to reach out to those in need. And, and one of the power, the power of charitable giving in your financial plan is it helps keep that relationship in check that can really get away from us. And it's that relationship between money and life, that money-life balance. You know, money's important, but it's not the object. It's a means to an end. And, you know, it helps keep in balance a perspective on money when you give to others that are less fortunate. So be aware, incorporate giving in the right way into your financial plan. That's our Dollars and Cents segment for this week. You can find this week's Dollars and Cents segment and others by visiting BroganFinancial.com. Do check us out on financial, um, excuse me, on BroganFinancial.com. The big thing I'll mention is we do, University of Tennessee, through their adult education, is is offering their upcoming class that I teach, Financial Survival for Retirement. It's two two two-hour sessions. If you're retired or getting ready to retire, it's $59. It's on September the 15th and 22nd. And to offer flexibility, you know, if you really want to learn in person, we are doing it in person at the Downtown Conference Center for the University of Tennessee. Uh, we're using all the distancing and CDC guidelines in Knoxville with masks and all that. And, and, and all that. Uh, I will have to wear a mask teaching, but I will be microphoned as well, so you can understand me well. But if you aren't comfortable doing that, you can also attend at home. We're doing it virtually via Zoom through the University of Tennessee, so you can learn There are seven key areas I discuss in that class to equip you to make informed and prudent decisions with your money to benefit the quality of your life in retirement. You can go to financialsurvivalforretirement.com for more information. You can download a syllabus, and you can click to register with the University of Tennessee. This morning, I'm excited to be visiting with Malcolm Reed, really the guru of barbecue, over a million face uh, YouTube followers. I've learned so much from him as, as grilling and, and barbecuing really have become uh, really my new hobby in the last five months as I've been spending more time at home. And I just love it. And I know many of you listening currently do all that or you're wanting to do more. Uh, Malcolm, let's talk about tools now you, that can make us better at, at grilling and, and really we need. Now, you mentioned the thermometer, both an instant read and one that you can just leave in the meat. So, sir, you said that was really your number one tool other than the grill that you're using. What are your other favorite two or three tools that you think, you know, these are tools that, that people at home, if they get, they're, they're just going to become better at doing what they do? Well, you know, those thermometers are probably the most, the most important. But, um, you know, something that's really helped, you know, that helps me is 
what I'm handling to me is is using um, a pair of white cotton gloves. I call them hand savers because they do save your hands. Um, underneath a pair of nitrile gloves, it, it helps you when you're handling hot meat off the grill. You're not burning your hands. A lot of people don't think about that, but uh, it, it's also it, it's for food safety too. It helps you from contaminating any meat by have you know wearing proper hand protection. That's something you'll see me using just about all my videos. It's some glove uh, hand protection. Um, now you don't want to you don't want to go gl- grabbing hot coals with them. Those are you know you need some spouter gloves for that. They, you know, they make different kinds of fire protection type gloves or leather gloves or welder's gloves. Those things work great if you're having to grab hot racks or move. You know a piece of coal falls out. You want to grab it fast or something. Don't don't grab don't grab that with your nitrile and, and cotton gloves. It'll burn you. Um, you know, knives are critical, Jim. Um, I use three different kinds of knives, mainly for barbecue. Um, a, a good um, six-inch stiff-bladed boning knife, uh, that's my utility knife. If I'm trimming meat or, you know, if I'm doing any uh, cutting ribs or, you know, trimming up a, a, a pork tenderloin or something like that, working on big cuts of meat, uh, the boning knife works great. Uh, a little five-and-a-half-inch flexible-bladed uh Filet knife. It, it's great for cutting up finished products or taking the sinew off off of different cuts of meat. That's the little silver skin that's on it. And then I, then I believe in having a roast cutting knife. Uh, it's like a 12 inch bladed. I call it a brisket knife. It's great for slicing up anything when you, you know when you're getting ready to present your food to someone. Sure. Um, and you know, good cutting boards always handy to have. I use. Um, what you want to do with your cutting boards is you know keep your wood boards for your finished product. That's where you want when you're taking food off the grill, it's done. You can use your wood boards. But when you're doing prep, you want to have um, the plastic type boards because they clean easier. You don't have to worry about contamination. Um, I like keeping separate boards for separate things. You know, I'll use a chicken board for chicken and then I'll have another board for, you know, different kind of raw meats like pork or beef. That way I'm not chancing cross contamination. Those are all important tools to have. Man, that was what I was about to ask you about the cutting boards. That's a good word. So, because uh, you know, with you know, I read different things online as to what's safer. So the big thing I heard there was the wood boards really for with your finished product, because then you're not using that raw meat getting down in the boards. Is that right? That's absolutely correct. You you never see me putting raw meat directly on a wood board uh, because it, you know wood's porous. It'll you know things can get down in it. I don't want to risk any kind of bacteria or contaminants getting into the board. Because I know that I'm going to put finished product on that board eventually. Um, that's that's I like to present on my cutting boards. I think it looks good when you're you know you're showing off your ribs or whatever you're cooking. If you're slicing a big brisket up and you know you can serve it right off the board, people really are drawn to that. But you wouldn't want to do that on a board you've been prepping on. Right. Absolutely. We're visiting with Malcolm Reed. You know, I knew Malcolm this hour was going to go so fast, and I'm lucky. I wish we had two hours. Uh, but when we come back, I do want to talk to you about sauces and rubs and how do you, you know, how do you, how can you learn to make your own? Um, now, there's also a lot of great rubs and sauces out there, and you make some incredible ones. I love your barbecue rub and your hot rub, and I love your sauces, too. So uh, we'll visit a little bit more and how Malcolm learned to make such great sauces and rubs. Uh, Malcolm Reed, How to Barbecue Right, uh, as you listen to More Living with Jim Brogan on News Talk 98.7 WOKI.
you for listening to More Living with Jim Brogan. If you miss any of today's show or want to listen to it again, visit broganfinancial.com where you can access the podcast and other educational materials to help you in your journey through retirement. And now, here's Senior Market Advisor Magazine's 2011 National Advisor of the Year and host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Thanks for tuning in this morning as we've been visiting with really the barbecue guru, Malcolm Reed. He's with How to Barbecue Right, uh, howtobarbecuerite.com. You can also check him on at YouTube. He's got over 1 million YouTube followers. I've learned so much from Malcolm. Uh, Malcolm, um, let's see here. Let's talk a little bit about sauces and rubs. Um, you've got some unbelievable sauces and rubs that you use uh, that you actually sell at How to Barbecue Right. How did you learn how to put together the right mix of sauces and rubs? Was it a, you know, how can somebody at home learn to do uh, and, and the right touch of sauces and rubs? Well, I, I learned from, <clears throat> excuse me, Jim. I learned, <clears throat> a little throat. But I learned from uh, competition barbecue. Um, you know, we, we were judged on, on, on how our meat tastes. And judges would sit down right in front of us, and we had to explain to them how we seasoned and how we sauced everything. So I had some great feedback right there from, from what I was doing, trying to be different from the other guy. Um, I, you know, it was a lot of experiment. Um, I would, it's safe to say that most people have the makings of a good rub probably in their spice cabinet right now. The, the flavors um, in them is, is really personal preference, but most of them are just combinations of simple ingredients. You know, you've got your, of course, barbecue has a lot of salt in it. That's that's the number one thing, and you can make great barbecue with just salt. That's kind of like Carolina style. But, you know, we use salt, we use pepper, we use garlic. That's kind of the base foundations. And then for some color and some smokiness, we add the paprikas and the chili powders, and then we round it out with sugar to kind of balance it. Uh, you can use brown sugar or white sugar. And then um, then we get some, you know, aromatics from the herbs, some heats from different kinds of pepper like cayenne and white pepper. And all of these things are, you know, are, are ingredients that's used in everyday cooking. It's just in, in the combinations you put them together. So, um, you know, it, it's really not hard to do. A great source for me when I was, you know, uh, learning how to make sauces and rubs, there's a gentleman named Paul Kirk who did a book on barbecue rub sauces and marinades. Uh, it's been around for a long time. He's, he's kind of a Kansas City guy. But that book's got the foundation of all kinds of great rubs and sauces in it. So uh, don't be scared to get in the kitchen and experiment. Um, you know, I don't, it, it's, uh, it's really up to personal taste what you want to put in it. But, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun making those things, too. Well, and I'm going to give your staff props. I, I, I was using some of your rubs, and I'd emailed a question about rubs uh, to your company, and they emailed me back and recommended Paul Kirk's book. And uh, I learned a lot just from reading through that, and I, I never really looked, realized how common the top four or five ingredients are in all these things you look at. It's what you just mentioned. So it's very interesting. Well, you have some incredible sauces and rubs. And a, a huge variety of them, um, Malcolm. How how can people? I mentioned how to barbecue right, but how can people find out more about your products and about your videos and follow you and learn more about creating great barbecue? Well, I'm how to BBQ right on every platform. Uh, you know, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, the website how to BBQ right dot com. 
and, and you know you can just go to Google and put in Malcolm Reed and you'll probably find me. <laughs> but I've got you know we, yeah we, you will find the whole thing's you know I, I'm all about sharing what I've learned in my barbecue journey. I've still got a long ways to go, but but I love helping other people uh, you know learn to cook great food outside and and I think it's really special barbecue something that brings us all together. Uh, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, you, can, you know we can all come to common terms on some good barbecue. That's exactly right. Hey, real quickly, just twenty seconds, uh, Malcolm. Do you what are you going to cook on Labor Day weekend? I'm actually going to do a pork butt on my Weber. I've never done one for a video, and I've got a Weber grill that I'm going to set up in indirect heat and cook a cook a pork butt in there and show everybody else how to do it. I can't wait to watch that video. Malcolm, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. It's just been a thrill to have you on. Um, We appreciate it very much. Thanks, Jim. Have a great day, man, and it's a pleasure. Yes, sir. That's Malcolm Reed, How to Barbecue, How to BBQ, right? Check him out online and at YouTube. Today we've discussed great food and camaraderie with our friends and family because that provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Thanks to Chris on the board and to Jill for producing. You've been listening to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.